tomorrow, gentlemen. We'll be in Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Las Vegas functions on a 24-hour-a-day schedule. The pools, the casino, big volcano out in front. That's the Eiffel Tower. Barrage. Riviera. The Mirage. Flamingo. Sahara. The MGM Grand. This isn't the real Caesars Palace, is it? On a gamble. They always put the machines that pay off the most right in the front. Good luck. The strip is just the most amazing stretch of road, I think, probably anywhere in the world. Kicking ass in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Welcome to Las Vegas. Sam Boyd was a gambler at heart. Once he discovered his passion for games of chance, he studied them feverishly, learning that in every game, the advantage was always in the house's favor. So Sam decided the best way to gamble was to be the house. And that's how his career in gaming began. Sam's son, Bill, was encouraged from a young age to get an education. So he did, and became a lawyer. But eventually, father and son would join forces and become a team that would grow into one of the most respected gaming companies in the world. Factor in the inherent desire to do the right thing and give back to the community, and you instantly start to suspect that there's something more to the story than you're being told. But dig as deep as you like, there's no more. The story of Sam, Bill, and Boyd Gaming may be one of the greatest American success stories in history, and overwhelming proof that sometimes nice guys finish first. Sam Boyd was born in Oklahoma in 1910 to Father Bill, who owned a cab company, and Mother Lotta, who was a nurse. Sam was one of five children in the Boyd family that, in the beginning, made a good living for themselves. However, when Bill died in 1919, his cab company quickly went out of business and the family fell on hard times. Seeking a better life for her family, Lotta moved them west, first to Arizona, then California, eventually settling in Long Beach. As a teenager, Sam worked on the pike running games of chance as a carny. After a year on the coast, his boss asked him to work on the gambling ships anchored three miles off the coast of California. Legal gambling operations because they were located just far enough to be in international waters and therefore out of state and federal jurisdiction. Or at least that's what the lawyers of the owners of these ships would argue every time law enforcement would attempt to shut one down. These are the same gambling ships Tony Cornero was infamous for running. The man behind the first resort in Las Vegas, The Meadows, on the corner of Charleston and Fremont Street, as well as one of the most iconic properties in the city's history, the Stardust. However, Sam's first job was running bingo games on the SS Monte Carlo, not one of Tony's ships. It was on these ships that Sam learned how to deal table games like 21, craps, and roulette. But over the decade, bingo would be the primary gambling option Sam ran. Historical tangent, you can still see the SS Monte Carlo today, or at least what's left of it. That's because on New Year's morning, 1936, aggressive inclement weather pounded the SS Monte Carlo to the point that her anchors broke. When the unrelenting storm continued to pound against her, she floated towards the California shore until running aground on Coronado Beach, along the coast of San Diego, where the building housing the casino broke and spilled gambling equipment into the ocean. After the storm subsided, no one came to claim the remnants of the ship. That's because it was no longer in international waters and was now illegal to own. And so, 
To this day, the SS Monte Carlo is still stuck along what is now known as the El Camino Tower of the Coronado Shores condos. At low tide, what's left of her can still be seen underwater, and during strong storm tides, can even become visible above water. Back to Sam. In 1932, Sam had been married to his wife Mary for about a year, and the couple's son, Bill, was born. Learning that Sam was relocatable, his career took him to Hawaii from 1935 to 1940, where he also ran bingo games. While on the islands, he came to appreciate the Hawaiian people because they shared the same value system, honest, hardworking people who enjoyed gambling. This connection would later help him to attract a market Boyd Gaming still dominates to this day. The Boyds returned to California in 1941. However, at the time, the federal and state government had finally put a stop to gambling ships. So Sam moved his family to Las Vegas, where he immediately fell in love with the city and saw it was only just beginning to recognize its full potential. His first job in Vegas was dealing penny roulette at the Jackpot Club on Fremont Street, located on land now occupied by Binion's. Ever the workaholic, Sam also took jobs at the Savoy, the El Cortez, and even the El Rancho while it was still the first and only hotel casino on what would become known as the Strip. However, they would hold that title only for another year because the last Frontier Hotel and Casino was built in 1942. Sam would work as often and as much as people would let him. He never understood why people would want to take the day off. To him, work was fun, and the more he did it, the better he got at it. In 1944, Sam's gaming career was put on hold when he was drafted into the Army to join World War II. During basic training, Sam contracted double pneumonia and almost died. The situation was so dire that the family was notified and encouraged to come to Georgia, where Sam's boot camp was stationed, because he most likely wasn't going to make it. While penicillin had been discovered, Sam's life was saved by its precursor, a relatively new drug named sulfa. Now, sulfa does not kill bacteria like penicillin does. It prevents the synthesis of folic acid, a member of the vitamin B family. While humans obtain vitamin B through their diet, most microorganisms created on their own. Taking that ability away from bacteria meant it was unable to multiply, containing the threat from spreading so the human body can naturally fight it more effectively. While still in use today, penicillin overtook it as the drug of choice because an estimated 3% of the general population is allergic to sulfa. Reactions range from rashes to life-threatening symptoms in rare cases. While it's unknown why, Research has shown that those infected with HIV-AIDS have a 60% greater chance of having an allergic reaction to sulfa medications. Not only did sulfa save Sam's life, it's credited with saving the lives of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, as well as tens of thousands during World War II. Ever grateful to modern medicine? For the rest of Sam's life, he would support medical education and research whenever he could. When Sam returned to Las Vegas in 1946, he resumed his career dealing 21 at the El Rancho. The El Rancho was under new ownership at the time, and while they had heard good things about Sam, they watched him closely. They found the quality of his work so impressive that when new ownership bought the Flamingo, they brought Sam over and made him a shift boss. For the next six years, Sam would work for the same company, including stints at the Calneva, both the Lake Tahoe and Reno locations. 
While at college in Reno, son Bill Boyd would join his father on weekends and during summer breaks working at the Cal Neva in Reno, parking cars and in the casino as a cage boy. Owner Charlie Resnick took great pride in the father-son team and made sure to reward their hard work financially. He likes to half-jokingly take credit for giving them the seed money that would eventually create Boyd Gaming. Sam's next job was working as a pit boss for Marion Hicks at the Thunderbird. The Thunderbird was a property that was always in trouble under Hicks, who frequently had to borrow money from Meyer Lansky to cover costs, which essentially meant the mob ran the place. As such, Sam had the opportunity to get to know some of the men infamous for growing Las Vegas. In 1952, Sam was offered the opportunity to become a stakeholder in his first property, the Sahara. Sam had worked for the majority stakeholder, Al Winter, in Portland for a time and was offered 1% ownership in the property for $16,000. Sam only had $6,000 saved at the time, so we needed to borrow the rest from a friend. But for the man whose handshake was more valuable than thousands of legal documents, getting someone to back him wasn't hard to do. The Sahara was a huge hit the day it opened, and within a year, Sam was able to pay back the $10,000 loan in full. After becoming an owner in his first property, Sam's reputation went from workaholic to a man obsessed. For four years, he lived at the Sahara as a shift boss, working for days straight with little more than catnaps to break up the daily effort. While this was going on, in May of 1953, Sam's son Bill, in his third semester of law school, was drafted into the army to fight in the Korean War. He attempted to appeal the draft board's decision, but was ultimately overruled and required to report to basic training. Fortunately for Bill, during his fourth week of basic training, the Korean War ended. After completing his two-year stint in the military, Bill returned to Nevada, finished law school, passed the Nevada bar exam, and set up a private practice in Las Vegas. In 1957, the Sahara Corporation built the Mint on Fremont Street. Sam was able to purchase 3.5% interest in that property, and based on his track record at the Sahara, was named Vice President and General Manager of the Mint by majority owners. The Mint is where Sam was able to show the real challenge. It wasn't getting people to play, it was getting them in the door so they had the opportunity to play. He did anything and everything to get people in the door, including over-the-top displays of celebration, featuring cakes and balloons, he created coupon books that offered free meals, something that the homeless would often take care of, but Sam never minded. Some criticized his methods, but one thing was undeniable. Sam knew how to create a party atmosphere that attracted a lot of people to his casino. Additionally, Sam took advantage of his success to give to those less fortunate. His cash gifts to those who worked for him and were in need became legend, but unconfirmable because the only caveat to Sam's gifts was that the benefactor not tell anyone that Sam gave it to him. Things were going great for Sam Boyd at the Mint. The Wheel Casino opened in Henderson, Nevada in February of 1961, but its original owners had no luck with the place and had to close it by 1962. A man named Paul Perry was interested in purchasing the property and came to Bill Boyd for help. Unable to pay for his legal work, Paul offered Bill a stake in the property in exchange for his services. But Paul only had $20,000 to invest in the property, and Bill estimated it would cost $100,000 to reopen and operate the casino. 
so Bill was tasked with finding other investors. In addition to his various law partners, Bill took the opportunity to bring his father and other family members into the purchase. In July of 1962, the first Boyd family owned and operated casino reopened under the name the El Dorado Club. The family's personal customer service approach was exactly what the casino needed to succeed in the small town. The El Dorado was so successful that, three years later, they purchased the Royal Club next door and expanded into the space, doubling the El Dorado's size. In 1966, the Boyds took over majority ownership, acquiring three-fourths ownership with one of the original investors retaining the remaining quarter. In 1977, a $1.5 million renovation was done to keep with the growing community, expanding the casino to 30,000 square feet. 30 years later, in 1993, Boyd Gaming acquired the El Dorado outright. Today, the El Dorado is still used as a training ground for the company's executives, taking advantage of the hands-on management approach required to run a small local's casino. In 1966, the Sahara Corporation merged with the Dell Webb Corporation. Sam agreed to stay on as the general manager at the Mint for a year, but quickly became unhappy, telling his son that Webb's business philosophy was to give someone a title rather than a raise. Sam also didn't like that under Webb, he was no longer making all the big decisions. It was Webb who decided to add the high-rise hotel tower and the gourmet restaurant at the top of it, a target market shift that directly conflicted with the all-or-welcome atmosphere Sam successfully cultivated at the property. So Sam decided to focus his energies on running the property he could run his way, the El Dorado. In 1970, the Union Plaza opportunity was brought to Bill Boyd. Union Pacific Railroad would be willing to build a hotel on the old train station site in downtown Las Vegas and lease it to them to run. In addition, they would also sell the land next to the hotel so that a casino could be built on it. The project just needed investors. Four different ownership groups, including Jackie Gaughan, J.K. Housels Jr., and Sam Boyd, the single largest stockholder with 12.5%, opened the Union Plaza at Fremont and Main Street in January of 1971. One of the first controversial decisions made at Plaza was using women exclusively to deal blackjack. At the time, female 21 dealers did not exist in Las Vegas. But Sam had them at the El Dorado and felt female dealers were generally friendlier to customers. At first, the idea was met with trepidation. Being a former 21 dealer himself, the male dealers called Sam a traitor, taking their jobs and giving them to women who should be in the kitchen. The practice was further called into question when initial counts were down for the first few months. At one point, son Bill came to his father with the concerns of the other owners. Sam explained the reason the counts were down was because the female dealers were new and making some mistakes. However, as long as they made them in the player's favor, it would only help to encourage return visits from players thinking they could beat the house at Plaza. And as the girls got better, eventually the house will win back anything they lost during the learning curve. Everyone just needed to be patient. The learning curve... We hope you've enjoyed this premium content preview. For access to the rest of this episode, as well as all the premium content we offer, go to patreon.com slash 360vegas. A monthly subscription will give you access to the enhanced version of the podcast, often with bonus content, exclusive podcasts like 360 Vintage Vegas, 
360 Origins, 360 Vegas Movies, insider information on all things 360 Vegas, 360 Vegas Vacation, and early access to everything. To subscribe, simply go to patreon.com slash 360vegas. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or you can find a link to Patreon on our blog, 360vegaspodcast.com. Hey!